You know, I've been coming here 25 years, but I always start with a question, and today's no different. If you've heard me before, you probably already know what the question is, but if you don't, I'll ask it now. How many happy people do I have here this morning? Wave your hand like this if you're happy. Wave it again. I'm looking to see how many aren't waving. You know, I never know if you're not waving because you're not, you're literally not happy, or you're just out of the will of God. It could be either one. So let's try it again. If you're happy, wave your hand like this. How many of you glad you didn't get what you deserved this year? Somebody shared with me this morning. I said, how are you doing? He said, man, I'm doing so much better than I deserve. I said, that's true of every person who will walk into this room today. How many of you glad you didn't get what you deserve? We'd all be doing a hurt dance, wouldn't we? How many of you that's the grace and mercy? We serve a living God. This isn't about a picture on a wall or something you wear around your neck. This is the real deal. The only thing that can change your heart is the love of God. Think of all the things you've changed in your life. Some of y'all bought a new house this year. Some of you are living in a different address. Some of you got a different car. Some of you got a different husband. Some of you got a different job. Some of you got different clothes. But no, how much you changed your life, how many of you know only God can change your heart? And how many of you, that's where real change has to start? It's got to start on the inside, amen? How many of you know God does His work from the inside out? Say it, He's changing me from the inside out. Everybody point at the doors back there. I have people do this all the time. Point at the doors, everybody. Point at the doors. Say this to me, I'm going out different than the way I came in. Say it again. Say it again. How many of you know you'll know you've been in the presence of God if you go out different? You can't be in the presence of God and stay the same. He'll change you, and it'll always be for the better. Amen? Amen. How many of you enjoyed that praise and worship? It's fitting that Joshua is the name of your praise and worship leader. You know, if you're familiar with the Bible story, the Bible tells us that when God called the Israelites out of over 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He said, I've got a land of milk and honey. I don't even know what that means. It just sounds good, doesn't it? Let me hear y'all say, milk and honey, baby. If you didn't say baby, you're out of the will of God. Try it again. Milk and honey, baby. God said, I got a land flowing milk and honey. He said, you, you're going to be lenders and not borrowers. He began to speak over them things. And remember, they had been slaves. Not one generation of slaves. Ten generations, over 400 years. That's all they'd ever known. And God said, all you got to do is believe me for it. How many know all they had to do was leave and take a few steps and they're in the promised land? And here's what's cool. The Bible says that when they left, that they plundered Egypt. What does plunder mean? It means take everything of value. They took everything of value. Now, ladies, Lindy, what do you think of when you think of value? What's one of the most valuable things you would think? Say what? Diamonds. The estrogen perspective. That's right. And it's hard to argue with that. Diamonds of gold. Could you agree on that? Let me all say we agree. Did you know the Bible says that when they left Egypt, they took all the gold and silver? Let me all say imagine that. They didn't just leave. How many of you know it would have been worth partying over if you'd been in jail, a slave for 400 years and you're out? That'd be worth partying over. But if you leave and you got rings on your fingers, 
and chains around your neck, gold and silver. And check this out. The Bible said they didn't just take all the gold and silver. They took the finest raiment. What is raiment? Clothes. So imagine this. You've been a slave all your life. Every generation has been slaves preceding you. Every person of every picture and everything on your phone is somebody that was a slave. All your cousins, your nephews, your nieces, your uncles, your aunts, your mother, your grandmother, your big mama, all of them. Slaves. Only now you're leaving a former slave, but when you come out, you go to your former slave master or mistress and you say, did you hear? We're leaving. Yeah, yeah, we're leaving. However, before we go, I have always liked that Armani gown and that Versace suit that your husband had. And so here's the deal. Before we go, I'd like to have those for me and my husband. Oh, and those rings he gave you for your 30th anniversary, plink, plink, those earrings, I'll take those too. They literally left with all the finest gold, all the finest silver, and the finest raiment. We had a saying when I was a kid, I'm nationwide. ZZ Top wrote a song about it. I'm nationwide. What's that mean? That means I got it going on. How many of you know when you leave and you have formerly been a slave and you come out and you're looking good? How many of you know that's the blessings of God? He doesn't just get you out of the hell hole your life was in. He gets you out looking good. That's something to praise Him over. Caleb and Joshua were the two who finally led those Israelites into the land of milk and honey. But the Bible tells us eventually they died. Both of them. Both of them. Let me hear y'all say, both of them. Say it again. Some of y'all are still saying both of them. No, it's both of them. Baby, you want cheesecake or some apple pie? Both of them. That's B-O-F-U-M. Both of them. They're both dead. And the Israelites were, what now? Because how many of you know, even though they walked into the promised land, there were still giants there. Jericho was still there with its impenetrable walls. The giants were still in the promise. The land of milk and honey was inhabited. But God said, it's yours. I'm already giving it to you. Now they don't have Caleb and Joshua. Who's going to lead them? And that became a serious question. And people were asking, who's going to lead us? Who's going to lead us? So the tribes of Israel got together, and I'm sure there was somebody who said, well, Bob... I prayed about it. I believe he'd have you to lead us. You ought to be the one to lead us into battle. And Bob was like, I didn't get a witness on that at all. And finally they asked God. How many of you here have ever been so desperate you ask God? They asked God and God said, send in Judah. Send in Judah. Why? What does the name Judah mean? Praise. What God was saying to them, look at me, is what He's saying to all of you today. Because just like those Israelites, you may have been in slavery for years. You may have walked in a slave today. Slave to alcohol, slave to drugs, slave to perversion, slave to whatever, slave to unforgiveness, slave to bitterness. But know this, you can go out different than the way you came in. And you don't have to do anything but praise Him. Because He said, send in the praisers. Send in Judah, for I've already given the land into your hands. That's why we start service with praise and worship. We praise it to start with. 
Not in hopes of what He will do, but in thanks for what He's already done. How many of y'all know He's already done all He's going to do? Everybody in this side of the room, let me hear y'all say, He's already done. Let me hear y'all say, what He needed to do. That's how God rolls. Every day, get up and know this. He's already done all He needed to do for you to walk in blessing, for you to walk in healing, for you to walk in His provision. How many of you know His arm is not short, y'all? Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. My name's Kim Clout. As He told you, a quarter of a century I've been coming here. Anybody here who's never heard me, raise your hand if you still haven't decided what you think of me. Okay, a few of you. Background, I grew up in church. My dad was a preacher. My grandfather, was a, my grandfather preached 78 years. My dad preached 63 years. My family's in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. But full disclosure, I was a hellraiser. I'm just being straight up. I was a hellraiser. Rebellious, alcoholic, drug addict, the whole deal. I used to have people look at me and go, what's wrong with you? I kind of wondered. You know, how do you grow up with parents? They were sincere. They were the real deal. And I asked God, how is it? When I finally got born again, I thought, what is wrong with me? And the Lord said something to me that was profound that I want you to consider if you grew up in church and you've been coming to church all your life. He said, your problem, son, is you were overexposed but under-responsive to the truth. And he said, that is the recipe for a hard heart. I had a hard heart. I'll just tell you I did. I had a hard heart. I, I would sit in the back in church and make fun. I grew up in Pentecost. How many of y'all know what I mean when I say Pentecost? If y'all don't know what I mean, it's one of them churches where our pastor ended every sentence in his message. That kind of a thing. And I'd sit in the back and make fun of it. I called it the Spiritual Olympics. Here's tonight's next event is the 10-meter pew jump. Here's Brother Snodderly. He'll be attempting four pews. His record is three back in the Holy Ghost meeting of July. I would make fun. I'm just telling you that's the way I was. And the Lord said, your problem is that you've been overexposed. How many of you know it would be better for you to never hear the truth? than to hear it and not respond. Because how many understand once you've heard it, put your hands to your ear. Once you've heard it, you're responsible for it. But thank God, as, as absolutely a terrible person I was, His love went deeper than my sin. His love went deeper than the pit I'd run my life into. And that's a word for somebody here today. I remember when I first started in staff ministry, by the way, this year for me is 45 years of full-time travel ministry. 45 years. So I'm a little over halfway of what my grandfather did. <laughs> but I remember when I first started in ministry, I was at a church in Atlanta, Georgia, and we had a gymnasium, about 2,000 kids in there, and we were going to be ministering that night. And I stepped out back because it was so hot, kind of like it is in here right now. When I walked in here this morning, I said, has my wife been here? I'm certain she set y'all's thermostat and then drove back to Tennessee. Uh, but it was hot, and we hadn't even started, and so I stepped outside of the gym, the back door, just to cool off. And when I stepped back there, there was a young girl, about 15. I said, what are you doing back here? She just, well, she kind of mumbled around. I said, you need to go in. I said, the service is getting ready to start. 
She goes, but isn't that like a church? And I said, well, it's a gym. But I said, yeah, it's a church service. She said, well, I can't go in there. I said, sure you can. This whole thing's for you. She said, no. She said, if I went in there, God would strike me dead. She said, he knows what I've done. Such is the ignorance of the love of God. The people think they've done such a terrible thing. God could never forgive them. God could never love them. I tell my wife all the time, we ought to change the name of our ministry from Kim and Susan Clout World Ministry. Our ministry ought to be called God Will Forgive Anybody. Drop the mic. I'm proof. God will forgive anybody. So it doesn't matter where your life is today. It doesn't matter what you left when you left home this morning. It doesn't matter what you've been dreading going back and dealing with today or tomorrow or this week. When you go out those doors, you're going out different than the way you came in. Because you're going to be in the presence of the living God who's going to change you. He's going to do things in your life you couldn't do for yourself. I mentioned my wife. How many of you here get her newsletter? Raise your hand if you get her newsletter. Okay, a lot of you do, and some of you are going, oh, what is that? Um, my wife, Susan. Has Susan ever been here with me? It's stunning me. That's probably true. Um, well, my, I have a beautiful wife, uh, and she uses horses in ministry. For years, she traveled with me. But we've been doing this, as I said, 45 years. And about 25 years ago, she came off the road. And she is able still to do ministry. In fact, she gives me a hard time. She says, Kim, it takes you rental cars and airports to reach people. She said, I touch the world in my bedroom slippers. Which is true. She does it through the Internet. She has a newsletter that she sends out where she teaches biblical principles using horses as the example. How many of you here like horses? Raise your hand if you like horses. Wave it like your goofy cousin if you like horses. And what's wrong with the rest of y'all? Y'all aware Jesus is coming back on one? Talk among yourselves. How many of you like horses now? Yeah, yeah. Well, she uses horses. How many of you know the horses mentioned in Scripture more than any other animal? I mean, Jesus could have come back riding anything. If I were him, I'd have come back on a lion. But he's coming back on a horse. And so the horse is a powerful teacher of Scripture. It's already mentioned in the Bible more than any other animal. My wife has a wonderful gift for using horses to teach you biblical principles. I call them mirror truths. She shows you the relationship, the partnership between horse and rider and how there are mirror principles between the partnership between God and man. If you don't get her newsletter, it's simply because you haven't signed up for it. Look at your neighbor and say it's free. Total, say totally Totally. In fact, I'm going to tell you something right now you probably never had a preacher say to you in church. Take out your cell phone. I'm serious. You've all got one. Don't look at me in shock. Take out your cell phone and go to Google and just type in Susan Clout. Funny last name. K-L-A-U-D-T. Susan K-L-A-U-D-T. Susan Clout. Horse ministry. As soon as you type that in, I bet her website will come up. It's the only one of its kind in the world. Susan Cloud Horse Ministry. If you slide about halfway down that website, there's a thing that says contact us. Just type your email address in there and you'll start getting her newsletter. It's really a blessing. I'm using the word promise here. I promise what she does will bless you. You may not know a thing about horses. Some of you here may be scared to death. How many of you here have a horror story involving a horse? Yeah, some of you do. Everybody does. Even if that's the case, I promise what she shows you and teaches you using the horse will be a blessing to you. So uh, put your email address there and you'll start getting it. Uh, having mentioned her, I'll just tell you this real quick. 
Uh, for those of you that get her newsletter already know this. Those of you that don't, I'm just going to ask you to pray for her. Um, about four weeks ago, she broke the tendon in her middle finger. I was preaching in Kentucky and I called her and she was crying on the phone. I, I couldn't even get straight from her. She was in such pain. What was wrong? When I got home, she goes, look, she held her hand out like this and this finger was here. And we took her finger, we pushed it back up, it just fell right back down. Well, we found out it wasn't attached anymore. The tendon here literally broke in two. And so she had it surgically repaired. She has been chafing because she can't ride. She hasn't chafed because I've been fixing her meals for her and I've been taking care of her. That she's blended in really well. But she's chafed and she can't ride and take care of her horses. And she's had a little apprehension. The doctor keeps telling her, you're going to be fine. I have her every day look at me and say, baby, tell me about your hand again. Whenever she tells me she's hurting or how bad it is, I said, yeah, but what were you telling me about your hand? And I have her confess, I'm good as new. I'm good as new. That's what I want to ask you to pray for her is that that hand will be healed. She'll be good as new and riding like the wind again. If you don't get her newsletter, sign up for that, and I promise it'll be a blessing to you. I got a good word for you today. Here's what I want to talk about. As, as a minister and as somebody who I do this 52 weeks a year, and I'm a different city and state every weekend. I'm in a large audiences of people, and it's just like today. As I look out here, I've got a variance. I've got some people here that are very, very young, right? For a minute, she was looking at me like, well, of course you are. I've got some people here probably in their teens. And then as I look out here, I can see some of y'all are approaching 40. <laughs> right? The Bible says, call that that is not as though it were. You're, some of y'all are like 40. Point is, when you have an age variance that broad, it's a challenge to find what is something that I can address in your life that every one of you here can relate to that all of you can identify and I can capture your attention and keep your eye contact with you. And I was thinking, what would that be? And I thought about this. The Lord brought this to my mind. Footsteps. Every one of you here take footsteps. That's how you got here, right? You take footsteps. I was studying. I went online to look. They say the average person takes between three and 4,000 footsteps a day. That sounds like a lot. But don't feel too proud of yourself. That's about half, they say, what we should be taking. We should be taking eight to 10,000 footsteps a day. Footsteps. Footsteps didn't just get you here this morning. Everybody look at me. How many know your footsteps got you to where your life is right now? Your footsteps reflect your choices. Your footsteps are a mere example an expression of where your mind is and where your heart is. If you got up today with a smile on your face, rest assured it's because of the footsteps you've taken leading up today. If you got up today hanging your head, if you got up today angry, if you got up today crying, if you got up today depressed, it's because of your footsteps. You want to change your life? You want 2024 to be better than 2023? Change your footsteps. What's remarkable is, is when you study Scripture, we find there's a correlation and a relationship between our footsteps and His hand. Our footsteps and His hand. 
And so that's what we're going to look at today is this idea that we take footsteps. Everybody in this room takes footsteps, but incredibly, our footsteps are often accompanied by His hand. Now, when I think of the word footsteps and I think of Scripture, the first thing that comes to mind for me is in the book of Psalms. Brother, pull that Scripture up for us. It says, the steps or the footsteps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Go to the next verse. Though he fall, he'll not be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his right hand. Now, how many of you have heard that verse before, or those two verses? If you've been around church them long, you have. If you hadn't, you're hearing it for the first time. Uh, maybe you're like me when you read that. The first time I heard it, I heard, go back to verse 23. I, I, the first line of it uh, kind of shook me because it says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And I remember thinking, eh, that ain't me. Now, me and me and straight up, I was rebellious. How many of y'all were ever rebellious? And the rest of you are still liars. Well, that's fine. That's all right. We all have our thing. Mine was rebellion. I like how some of you are out there, no, no, I've never been. Now, I lie, but I've never, ever been rebellious. I was rebellious. I mean, almost from the earliest memories I have, I was going against the grain. I was swimming upstream, whatever vernacular you want to use to describe it. And so when I read a scripture like this, the steps of a good man, I'm thinking, that ain't me, I'm out. And one of the reasons I thought I was out was I grew up with church people. How many of you here grew up in church? Raise your hand if you grew up in church. How many of you know church people are quick to tell you when you're not good, when you're not doing right? I told you I grew up in Pentecost. They were a little bit legalistic. You ask, what is that? Well, they had a whole list of things that send you to hell. And it appeared to me it was almost everything that was fun. I mean, from where I was looking at, if you're having fun, you're going to hell. You know what I mean? Like, Kim, were you in that club dancing? Well, sort of. Hell. Were you in that movie theater? Yeah, hell. Are you playing cards? Yes. Is it Rook? No. Hell. There's a dispensation, I think it's in Leviticus, for Rook. Anything else? Straight to hell. And so I grew up believing that God was up there with a ball-peen hammer. You know what I'm saying? Just waiting for me to do something. Boom! Hell! And he was doing that often because I was doing bad stuff often. And so I thought, I'm not a good guy. I'm always doing bad stuff, and church people were quick to remind me of that. You're going to hell. And I was. But then the Lord said, Tim, don't just read the first line of that. Read the whole verse in context. Read both verses together. So let's do that. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Look at the next line. Though he fall. The he is not capitalized. So who's the he here? The good man. Us. Though he fall. How many of you here love God? Raise your hand if you love God with all your heart. Uh Uh-huh. 
Just about everybody in here has got your hand up. How many of you here love God, still sin? Raise your hand. If you don't have your hand up, you're currently sinning. How many of you here love God and still sin? How many of y'all have done the same sin more than once? At this point, church people will be going, Hell! How many of y'all have done the same sin like more than 10 times? Raise your hand. Right. Well, then the Lord brought to my attention the fullness of what He was saying here. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Though He fall, everyone fall. But the Apostle Paul who wrote the New Testament virtually is the very man who said the things I hate are the things I do. And the things I love are the things I have trouble doing. What is wrong with me? He said, but who rescues me from this? The love of God. The love of God. It's easy to get out of line with God and think He'll never let me back in line. How many of y'all remember... How many of y'all here remember push-up sticks? You got, yeah, you got to have gray hair or no hair to remember push-up sticks. Y'all remember push-up sticks? Okay. How about Cokes in the little bottles? Now they're going, oh, wait, I have to Google that. What is that? How many of y'all remember this phrase, recess? Remember when you had a quarter in your pocket and thought, I'm kidding. Because if you had a quarter, that meant you could get one of them little Cokes, a bag of peanuts, and a push-up stick. Right? Today, you can't even get a whiff of them for that. How many of y'all ever took them peanuts and poured down in a bottle of Coke? Well, judgment tell you, you've tried it. That's good. So let's say you're standing in line. You got your quarter. You got a pocket full of change, man. You're thinking, I'm a rich man. I don't tell her what I'm going to buy today. And you're standing in line. You're all excited and proud of you. Then you realize, I left my quarter in my desk. Oh, God. And so you get out of line and you go to get your quarter. And when you come back, what do the kids say to you? You go to the back. You got out of line. You go to... All those kids grew up to be church people. Because, buddy, church people will tell you, you got out of line, go to the back. I mean, your God would never say that. What would he say? I held your place. Wherever you got out, son, get right back in. See, though he fall, he'll not be cast down. The Lord isn't up there, boom, hell. He sent his son to die, so no one has to go to hell. For God so loved, He sent His only begotten Son so that none should perish. Not a one of you have to die and go to hell. But how many know people will? How many know these days nobody has to die in a hurricane? Right? Because, I mean, they can tell us 10 days in advance, we've got a tropical depression out here. It's 1,300 miles off the coast of North Carolina, but it's coming. The computer maps show us it's probably going to come ashore here. we got two weeks' notice, right? No one has to die in a hurricane. But how many of you know every year people do? Well, my daddy died in a hurricane. So did my grandpa, and I'm going to die in one too. In fact, I'm staying here. I'm going to die drinking a hurricane. 
Y'all remember they had a drink called a hurricane? I'm sorry. He won't put that on the tape. They'll take that off. Nobody has to die and go to hell because we've been told for 2,000 years we don't have to. The way has been made so that you can not only have life here, but you can have life eternal. And here's the wonderful news of the gospel is once he forgives you, he doesn't say, well, that's it once. That's all I got. I'm sorry, we've had a run on forgiveness. We're all out. How often? Well, the Lord gives us an example when people ask him, how often should I forgive my brother if he does me wrong? Seventy times seven. In other words, every time. Everybody look at me. God will forgive you. Keep short accounts with God. What does it mean? Don't wait till you have a whole buildup of all these sins that you've got to take to the throne of grace. Anytime you sin, when you say something wrong, when you do something wrong, when you think something wrong, stop right then. Father, I'm sorry. Short accounts with God is what keeps you with a clear mind and a smile on your face. Amen? Let me see everybody smile. Come on, everybody smile. Show your teeth. I always tell people, they may not be your teeth, but show your teeth anyhow. Come on. You consider what you paid for them, show them. The steps of a good man. And so I realized I don't have to be perfect. In fact, no one is. The Bible tells us no one's even good. You wouldn't need a Savior if you were good or perfect. I have a dear friend. She's one of the most profound Bible teachers in the world. And she was invited to speak at the National Women's Aglow Conference. This is about 25 years ago. One of the largest women's groups. And this was their international conference. She's the keynote speaker. She's the big, the big to-do that day. She told me this story. She said, however, before I got up to speak, they had a young woman that shared her testimony. And she said, that young woman got up and told how when she was 12 years old, her daddy started abusing her sexually. And then sold her into prostitution. And then she got hooked on heroin. And had to continue in prostitution to pay for her heroin addiction. And she's out on the streets living this terrible life when a street ministry came and found her. Rescued her from her pimp. Took her home. Took care of her. Fed her. Helped to get her off of heroin. Shared the love of Jesus with her. She accepted him in her heart. And now she has a ministry just like that. And she shared her testimony. And my friend said, that woman got up and shared that testimony. And she thought, how am I going to follow this? I mean, that's such an incredible testimony. And she said, I thought to myself, I've never even cussed. She said, Kim, I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever even cussed. She said, I know my parents never did. She said, and this girl's talking about drugs and alcohol and perversion. She said, I've never smoked a cigarette. She said, Kim, I wouldn't know the difference in water and, and gin or vodka. I said, Jeanette, there is a difference. You may not know it, but there is a difference. She said, well, I wouldn't know. And she said, I'm sitting there thinking, how can I follow this? And she said, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, daughter, I had to forgive you of a far worse sin than of that young woman. For I had to forgive you of self-righteousness. 
I couldn't believe she even told me that story. I thought that's powerful. And so if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, but, but you know, Kim, I, I, I am good. I mean, I don't think I've ever cussed. I too would not know the difference in water and gin. But here's the deal. The Bible says your righteousness is like filthy rags. I'm not even going to the detail of what the scripture was talking about when it said filthy rags. It could not be any more filthy. So it don't matter how you came in today. If you came in thinking, I've been living a holy life all my life. Or if you came in today and last night you did something you don't want anybody here to know. The fact is, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter what steps you've taken, the Bible tells us His hand. Look at that verse. Though He fall, He'll not be cast down for what? Let's hold of Him with what? Your footsteps. His hand. They're forever hooked together. Is that in the Bible? Some of y'all say, is that in the Bible? You may ask, is that anywhere else in the Bible? Well, let's look at Psalm 139. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 139. If you don't, they're going to put it up on the screen for us. Psalm 139. I so identify with the psalmist in this. He said, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. How many of you know God knows you? Now, some of us know you. But how many of you know God knows you? Right? I mean, he knows the stuff about you none of us know. The stuff none of us will ever know. The stuff your mama don't know. The stuff your mama will never know. God knows. Yeah, he does. And how does he know? Well, he said, you've searched me. How many know when God searches you, all it takes is this. He can look you up and down. He knows it. It's kind of like when I met my wife the first time. I just felt her go. The only thing I can think is she thought, well, I can work with this. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we got all these Christmas trees up here. I've always said that a single woman is kind of like a woman shopping for a Christmas tree. Y'all are wondering, where is this going? Mm -hmm, single women. Looking for a husband's like a woman shopping for a Christmas tree. Because they go and they look, ah, this is too big. That's not big enough. Uh, well, this one's got all of its branches. I believe I can work with that. It, it isn't right, but I can fix it when I get it home. And then you get it home, turn around, it's got a bald spot in the back. God searches you and He knows you. Look at the next verse. He says, you know when I sit and when I rise. In other words, you know pretty much everything. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Everybody look at me. That means God knows everything you're thinking. He knows everything you're thinking right now. I like how she looked at her like this. He knows. Is He talking to us specifically or... He knows. Imagine if people in this room knew what you were thinking right now. Imagine if the person sitting next to you knew what you were thinking. 
Their next line might be, I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> That's what you're thinking? Incredibly, God knows everything you're thinking. Some of y'all may be thinking what I used to think when I heard that. Hail. <laughs> I'm going to hell. Give me the pitchfork and the long tail. If, I know, if he knows what I'm thinking, I'm going straight to hell. Look at the next verse. You discern my going out and my lying down. And what's he familiar with? Operative word here, all. Now, some of you have ways you want us to know, right? You've got a business card touting them. Here are my ways. Here, take my card. If you need these ways, call me. I'm the way maker. You've got a website on Instagram, Facebook, whatever else there is. I want to tell you all something. I'm using the word never here. I have never in my life been on any form of social media. No, not one. I'm not saying that bragging. There's an explanation. People look at me and go, Kim, you're a dinosaur. I said, I probably am. Well, they go, well, why aren't you on Facebook? I said, it's simple. I don't need another way to disappoint people. I'm already so slow answering voicemails and text. The last thing I need is something else to keep up with. Because I've watched you people that are on it, and that's all you do. You, you go out to meet with people in the whole time. My wife and I were in the doctor's office the other day for her getting her new cast on her hand, and, and she goes to me, she goes, what? I said, and it was a family of five over here, mom and a dad, three teenagers. Teenagers were from like 13 to 18. All five of them been over in their seat. As the B-52 said, living in their own private Idaho. How many of y'all remember that song? You're just living in your own private Idaho? Somebody raise your hand to make me feel better. Thank you, I appreciate that. The rest of y'all were going, who are the B-52s? You discern my going out, my lying down, you're familiar with... Uh, hey, listen, you've got ways you want us to know, but you all, we all have ways. We don't want anybody to know. Can we agree on that? God knows all your ways. Hail. We're all going to hell. Look at verse 4. Before a word is on my tongue, what? You know that? Now he not only knows everything you're thinking, knows everything you've ever said. Now even the thinking people thought, I'm on going to hell. I think pure thoughts, but you're thinking, he knows everything I've said. Those are things I've said. He knows it all. But look at the next verse. You hem me in behind them before, and you lay your what? Remember, your feet, his hand. The psalmist has just talked about all the things that he knows he does wrong. He knows he thinks bad thoughts. He knows he's said bad things. He knows he's gone bad places. He knows he's been bad places. He knows he's been with bad people. Knows all of that. He's admitting that to God. But he said, even in spite of that, you got your hand on me. I asked you how many of you were rebellious, and only about a third of you raised your hand. But I'll tell you, when I was rebellious, I was hitting them clubs. And playing in them. And I thought, man, this is awesome. Because I'd played in church before. 
I remember the first time I walked in with my guitar in church and they went, it's too loud! And I said, but I haven't even plugged it in yet. <laughs> and that was it with church people, man. It was hard. I'd... They'd hold their ears. And the first time I played in a club, it was like, you the man. I thought, they like me. And that's where I wanted to be all the time. We want to be where we're celebrated and not tolerated. And so I thought, this is awesome. That's where I was all the time. And I remember I thought, I'm as far away as I could get from God. It's penny a beer now. And I got a quarter. <laughs> King of the world. And then when I read this verse, God spoke to me and said, you know what, son? Every night you were at them clubs playing, thought you were bad to the bone. I was in a bar stool next to you. You can't get away from me. That's what this psalmist is acknowledging. It doesn't matter where I go. You hand me in. How many of y'all remember pinball? There was a time you went to a club, you went to a truck stop. You went to a restaurant that had a pinball machine. How many of you have no clue what pinball is? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. Youngster up here. It's a game where you'd put in a quarter... And then it had a little handle you'd pull and a ball would come out and it'd go out and you had two little flappers. And the idea, look at me, the idea, don't look at her, you had a flapper and you're trying to keep that ball in play and it, he's bowing his head, he's like, oh God. So you're hitting that flapper and every time the ball, didn't they call them bumpers? Every time it hit a bumper, you got points. So the object of the game was keep that ball in play as long as you could. Hit that ball, hit that ball, hit that ball. But how many of you learned no matter how hard you hit that ball, there were still edges to the game that hemmed it in? The Lord used that analogy to show me when I thought I was the biggest hellraiser on the planet, and arguably I was. He still hemmed me in. It's the reason I'm standing before you today. I have four friends, excuse me, three friends, the four of us party together all the time. Parted on snow day. We were out of school. One of them was my neighbor. And we're riding a sled down his driveway, across the street, into the neighbor's yard, all the way down to the creek. And then we, that was one thing, but we're guys and we're partying. And so we started thinking, how many can we stack on top of each other? Only guys. How many can we stack on? And so we got, we're all four of us on top of one another on the sled going down that thing. And we're laughing and having a good time. And they're telling me the whole time about a party they're going to. You got to go with us. I said, I got a date. She looks better than any of y'all. I ain't going. <laughs> and so I didn't. They did. Went out on my date. Next morning, about 7 o'clock, my dad came to my room. Son, you got a phone call. I thought, no one who knows me well will be calling at 7 in the morning. I said, who is it? He told me it was a girl I've been on a date with. Landlines. Y'all remember when you had to go to the next room to get the phone? She'll Google that too. <laughs> I went there and picked the phone. And I said, hello. And she said, have you heard? I said, heard what? All three of my buddies never made it home. Died right in front of our high school. Not a one of them made it to 18. I shouldn't be standing here today. That's why I said... 
my life is proof God will forgive anybody. Because the life I was living, the things I was doing, I should have been dead long ago. My dad preached one of those boys' funeral. And I remember at the funeral, he said, this could be my boy. I said, Dad, if you only knew. But God hymns us in. That's why you're here today. Some of y'all got a crazier story than mine. But you're here. Why? Because no matter how hard you tried to get away from God, no matter how far away your footsteps took you from Him, what you didn't realize was His hand was still on you. He was hemming you in. Come on, y'all. Somebody ought to say glory to God. You hem me in behind and before. Look at verse 6. This is too wonderful for me. I can't even wrap my head around it. Look at verse 7. Where can I go to get away from you? How many of you have ever wondered that? You know, that was kind of my thing. I'm, I, do you not understand? I'm trying to get away from you. Where can I go to flee from your presence? How many of you here have ever willfully run from God? I mean, I'll tell you, I was. Without a doubt. When you grow up in a ministry family, every night they're doing gospel music all over the world, and, and I'm partying and playing in clubs. Clearly, I'm trying to flee His presence. I'm trying to get away as far away from who I knew and who I was as I could. And I'm like, this song, where can I go to get away from you? He elaborates. Look at the next verse. He says, if I go up to the heavens, what? Well, duh. Piece of counsel here. If you're running from God, don't run to the heavens. That's a rookie mistake. Wouldn't you agree? The second line was more my style. He said, if I make my bed in the depths, some translations say, in the depths of hell. How many of you ever made your bed in the depths of hell? Come on, y'all. I'm going to give y'all a minute to be honest. How many of y'all here ever made your bed in the depths of hell? Some of y'all are looking perplexed. I don't know. That's where you get up in the morning and roll over and look at the person next to you and say three words you thought you'd never say. And you are, that's the bed of the depths of hell. What does the verse say? What are the last three words? You are there. Imagine that. He was there for every one of them. Come on, y'all. Quit being church people. Seen it all. Knows it all. Was there for it all. Not just in the bar stool next to you, in the bed next to you. Hail. Look at the next verse. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, if I rise on the wings of dawn. How many of you here have ever tried to get up early to get out so no one would know that you're leaving? If you've done that, you know what I'm talking about. And you're also the people who know where the squeaky places are in the floor. Right? How many of y'all know where all the squeaky places are in the floor? And you go around those... Right? Hey, I learned that when I was like 13 when I was sneaking out. That's what the psalmist is saying. If I get up on the, on the wings of the dawn, if I get up as early as I could while everybody else is still sleeping, 
and I go on the far side of the sea to get away from you. Look at the next line. Even there, what? Remember, your feet, His hand. No matter where your feet have taken you in your life, His hand is upon you. Let me also ask you. Say it like any of your dog. Let me also ask you. Are you good doing Andy Griffith? Do you know who Andy Griffith is? Y'all know what she's thinking right now. Why did I say that? <laughs> They tried to tell me how he was, and I shouldn't sit up here. And y'all say, that's good. Come on, say it like Andy does. And y'all say, that's good. Shake your head. That's good. It is good. It's good news to know this. No matter where your foot took you in 2023, his hand was upon you. And you are that good man he speaks of. Not because of who you are, because of who he is in your life. It's the blood of Jesus that allows you to be called good. It's the blood of Jesus that allows you to know, though I fall, I'm not going to catch that. He didn't send me to death. He sent his son to die. How many of you know Jesus was scourged and went to hell so you don't have to? He got the keys to death, hell, and the grave while he was there. So today we can say, death, where is your sting? Grave, you have no power over me. And you have nothing to fear today, church. You may think you have lots of enemies. The Bible says that God's for you. Who? When I say if God's for you, I want to hear y'all say, who? If God's for you, who? Who could be against you? If God's for you, who, who could be against you? Not even your in <laughs> Say this to me. I walk into heaven and play. I rule and reign with him in this life. I'm the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. A lender and not a borrower. Blessed coming in. Blessed going out. I lay down blessed. Of course I get up blessed. Come around in town. Rock country. I'm blessed. Everything I touch. Prosper. For his name's sake. Everywhere I put my feet. He gives that crown to me. When he's with me. We're always the majority. That's true. That's true. That's who you are. That's who you are in 2023, and that's who you'll be in 2024. You want next year to be better? You want midnight tonight to mark the best part of your life? It's simple. Change your footsteps. How do you change your footsteps? You change how you think. Your footsteps are a reflection of what you think. How do you change how you think? You get your heart changed. See, there's lots of people today. How many of those people right now, for the first time this year, they're thinking, I need to change. In fact, starting tomorrow, no more chocolate. <laughs> That's right. Starting tomorrow, no more chocolate. Now, tonight's the last supper, you understand. But starting tomorrow, 
How is it people think their life could be better if they just didn't eat chocolate? <laughs> Clearly, that's a lie from them. <laughs> Other people say, start tomorrow. I'm getting up every morning at 5 a.m. and I'm running five miles. <laughs> every morning at 5 a.m. I'm running five miles. No more chocolate. <laughs> and I'm running. Of course, you go to their house first week in January. Let them talk in the morning. Still in bed. <laughs> Hershey wrapped all over the floor. <laughs> Yes, it is. You can't change your mind. You can't change your footsteps. Can you get your heart changed? So if you came here today and you're thinking anything other than I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, a lender and not a borrower, blessed coming in, going out. If you're thinking anything other than that, you need to change your feet. Of course, you need to change your mind. But you can't do either of those things if you don't get your heart changed. You change your feet. You change your mind. Only He can change your heart. If you're here today and you know that's what needs to change in your life, it's not your job that's the problem. It's not your car that's the problem. It's not your husband that's the problem your heart. Get your heart changed. Everything else will line up. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Be honest with yourself. Don't distract yourself. Don't lie to yourself right now. Don't anybody talk to anybody. Don't look at your phone. Just sit there with your eyes shut and be honest. If you know your heart needs to change. No resolution can change that. You can be as strong-willed as you want. You can't change your heart. Only God. You can get a new house, change apartments, change address, change relationships. You're still you. You carry all that baggage from your past into every one of those places. But if you get your heart changed, He delivers you from that baggage. The Scripture says it this way, If any man be in Christ, behold, he is a new creation. That means you become an entirely different person. A new creation. The old things passed away, all things made new. It doesn't matter where I go or what I minister on. My end game, my goal is the same. I want to see people who were hurting like I was. I want to see people who felt like I'm going to hell. I've done so many terrible things. Like that young girl, God strike me dead. That's why the Lord showed me He's allowed me to be a mouthpiece for Him. To speak of His love to those people who think they're not lovable, that they're not lovely. But that is the essence of God. He loves us all. 
at our worst because he sees us for what our best could be. He knows the plans that he has for us. He told the prophet Jeremiah, he said, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And here's what's cool. The Bible tells us he knows the end from the beginning. That means from the moment your dad's sperm joined your mom's egg and the first cell separation took place that was you, God has known you from that moment on. Because that is when life begins, no matter what any politician tells you. God has known you when you and your God knew you in your mother's womb before she knew you were there. And didn't just know you, but said, I know the plans that I have for you. You may feel like you have squandered the better part of your life. But I can tell you this. He says, I can restore what you thought was forever lost. I can fix what you thought was forever broken. And just like those Israelites, all you have to do is praise me. Because the work's already done. Jesus did all he needed to do 2,000 years ago. So that you can live every day in victory. No matter where your feet have taken you. Like this psalmist said. Even if I've been in the the bed of the depths of hell. Even there your hand was upon me. Guiding me. Your feet. His hands. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus in your heart. Oh you've come to church many times. But you've never stopped and admitted. And just said straight up. I admit. I'm a sinner. I admit. My life is broken. And I know I can't fix it. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my heart. I want you to be my Savior. Here's what's cool. You don't need a password. You don't need a pen. The Apostle Paul said all you have to do is believe in your heart. And confess with your mouth. So if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, you've never asked Jesus in your heart, but you're ready today. You're ready to say yes to Him. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm going to pray for you right where you're seated. But if you're here today, the Spirit of God is what's knocking on your heart right now. Obey God. I used to think I'll get saved when I'm 40. When my three buddies never made it to 18, I realized I have no promise. Neither do you. You have right now. So if you feel the Spirit of God knocking on your heart and you know this message was for you today, you know your heart needs to change. Why don't you do something simple? Simple. Where you're seated, just raise your hand because I just want to pray for you. Do it now. Just raise your hand. I see you in the back. Just high enough where I can see it. I see you. That's two. I see you in the back. That's three. Church, pray. God's moving. If you know the Lord is your Savior, intercede right now. People's lives are being changed for eternity. Who else to say, this is for me? I'm ready to ask Jesus into my heart. I know what I've done with my life. Let's see what He can do with it. Anybody else, just raise it where I can see it. Do it now. The Bible says when just one person says yes, every angel in heaven rejoices. we got three today. I want everyone in this room to pray this prayer out loud with these three people. Show them how much we love them and esteem them and welcome them into the family of God. Everybody, out loud. Father, I thank you for loving me. 
for sending your son to die so I don't have to. For sending your son to be scourged so I didn't have to be. For his shed blood that I could be healed. For his shed blood that I could be forgiven. And for his resurrection that I could have eternal life. Today I believe that in my heart. Say that again. I believe that in my heart. Say it again. I believe that in my heart. And I confess it with my mouth. That Jesus is my Savior. I want everybody in the room. Keep your head bowed but raise both hands. Thank Him today that every step you've taken. Everywhere you've been. His hand was upon you. That He hemmed you in behind and before. And it's His grace that's brought you here today. Thank Him furthermore that 2024 is going to be the greatest year of destiny you've ever had. The greatest year of blessing for your finances. The greatest year of blessing for your family. The greatest year of blessings for your health. The greatest year of blessing for your peace of mind. The greatest year of blessings for your business. Thinking that God is restoring what you thought was forever lost. Fixing what you thought was forever broken. And that He's doing it day by day. Even when you make a mistake, even when you fall, you're not cast down. For the Lord upholdeth you with His right hand. Father, we thank You for that. We thank You for Your precious Word today. I pray that the best I've been able to do today, Father, I know lacks if Jesus were here to teach it. I pray, oh God, that You would help them to receive it as if though He had been here today. Lord, that it would go and find a place in their heart and produce a great crop in their lives as if He were here today to speak it. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say, it is done in my life. 25 years I've been coming here. If Pastor Mitch were here, and by the way, Pastor Mitch, thank you. I tell him this all the time. He could have anybody come here when he goes out of town. That he loves you so much, he guards you. And that he allows me to come minister to you is a tremendous blessing. It's the most wonderful tip of a cap I will ever get. Knowing how he loves you, that he allows me the privilege to come minister in his absence. If he were here today, however, he would tell you and confirm what I'm getting ready to say. For a quarter of a century, for 25 years, I've come here the same way every time. Look at your neighbor and say, the same way every time. Now you're wondering, what does that mean? It means every time I come here, I come on an offering. Let me explain. This is what I do. I don't have a real job during the week and this is my weekend gig. This is my life. This isn't what I do. This is who I am. And the Lord told me when He called me into ministry 47 years ago, 46 years ago, He said, Son, don't ever tell them what you think. Tell them what I said. He said, what I said will change their lives. He said, but if you tell them what I said, in turn, I will speak to them. And they will bless you. The Lord told me, I'll never give you a $100 bill. He said, I'll never write you a check. I'll never text to give. He said, that's what my people are for. So for 25 years, I've come here the same way. Today's no different. Here's what I'm asking today, what I asked the other 24 years. Put your hand up to your ear. Everybody. 
The promise God gave me was that if I spoke to you and told you what he said, he in turn would speak to you and tell you how to bless our ministry. All I'm asking, do what he tells you. Amen. Don't do what you've always done. Do what he tells you.